Good evening, good morning, good day, whatever time it is for you. You are listening to 3 a.m. Thoughts with Chevy and Matthew. And in this case, I have a guest. Her name is Nicole. Nicole is my ex-girlfriend who I honestly can say has changed my life. Um, 3 a.m. Thoughts is a podcast that will make you think about those things that you probably don't want to think about normally. Um, mental disorders, things that were going on in our lives that are unpleasant but you know what sometimes we have to deal with those unpleasant things these things don't go away on their own we are here to think make you think about all that stuff that you think about at three o'clock in the morning when you wake up to take a piss and you get back to sleep because now you're ruminating about some trauma you had something happened to you something you did to somebody else this is 3am thoughts so get with it let yourself go let that ego go Fear self esteem drop and build it back up. Here we are. Get ready. The sounds. All right. Good evening. Welcome to 3 a.m. Thoughts. I am your host, Chevy. It is 6.38 p.m. on a Monday evening, and I am here with Matthew, and hello. I have... Hello. And I have a very special guest. Uh, Nicole, will you please introduce yourself? You do not specify a pseudonym, so I am therefore henceforth going to call you Nicole, as that is your name, so please introduce yourself as you, as you see fit. Hi. Uh, my name is Nicole. Um, I don't know what else to say. Nicole is my ex-girlfriend. Um, we did um, date for three and a half years. Um, there were issues as well as wonderful things that happened um, as with any relationship. Um, let me see what to say here. Uh, she really helped me become the man I am today in some ways. Um, I changed mostly because of this woman. Um, the relationship was not perfect. Um, it was not meant to last, though it was meant to be for some time, I do believe that that was, I do believe that that was, um, destiny that we were meant to be because it changed me as a person to become a bigger and better man than I was. What do you have to say about that, Nicole? I would say that I agree with that, and even though we weren't meant to last, we were each other's lesson, because I grew and changed from the relationship too, so. Well, that's good insight. Um, so Nicole is here with me to talk about a mental illness that many of us feel. Um, this one is a bit more of an, of an extreme level than um, many other people who suffer from the root cause of it. We're here to talk about major depressive disorder, also known as clinical depression. Okay. Also known as what was the term for Nicole? Um, I can find it here. If I can find it here, there's one other term they used to describe it here. Um, yeah, it was like, um, instead of bipolar, it was omnipolar. No, unipolar. Unipolar depression. Yeah. That's the other term you use. I, I never heard of that term until today. So that's yeah, a new one for me. But, you know, when, when it comes to depression, um, it's so common. It affects more than three-quarters of the world. Um, I'm not surprised that they have different terms for it. So before we get into Nicole discussing her issues and bouts with depression and what caused it, uh, what resulted because of it, um, we're going to talk about the disorder itself. Um, as you know, I, this is part two, you can imagine, um, of my mini-series I am attemptedly making um, on mental health diagnoses and mental, mental illnesses. Um, I recently had talked about my borderline personality disorder. I will try to slow my speech down. I'm getting excited. So I talked about my BPD. I went up close and personal with myself and myself only. And I have been researching this for a long time. Now, many people with depression, however, they have not researched it. They might not even know what depression is. They know they're depressed, but they don't realize that it is a mental health diagnosis. But there's a difference between situational depression and clinical depression. Clinical depression, also known as major depressive disorder, this is what we're talking about right now. Situational 
is what I get. So if um, I have a really bad day at work, um, I can't catch up, it's too overwhelming, and I got my, I got my shirt soaked more than usual, and uh, of course I shit my pants. <laughs> uh, that's just a, a hypothetical situation. So that is, a, I'll be very depressed after that. I call it work, I am depressed, it's all fuck. Um, that is a sign of situational depression. Nicole, if, um, if you come back for a minute, I'll roll those cigarettes. I got you, got you back. Why don't you describe in your own words how you feel clinical depression? You're, you, you, on the, you, you on the floor, mic drop, here we go. Well, uh, it can be different from time to time, but it's usually just feeling very more than sad. And, you know... Describe more feel, than sad. Uh, I don't know, feeling empty or worthless. Like, you know, just fe feeling like you're, like you're nothing, basically. Which I feel is, is more than just sad. Because there, there's a difference between sad and depressed. How about you describe the behavior you have on a very depressed day on your day off? That's where to start. Well, more often than not, I'll more than likely be sleeping the day away. Or, you know, sometimes I sleep the day away, sometimes I barely sleep at all. But it's uh, a feeling of like, so it's, it's almost also you get like frozen in a way. Because like I, I can mentally be telling myself, you know, like, I've got to get my room clean, I've got to get my laundry done, I've got to do this, I've got to do that, but I can't move. Like, I'm stuck where I am. Nicole, um, when you say that you get stuck or you try to build yourself out from this depression or being frozen, as you put a word to it, if I may. This is Matthew here, by the way. <laughs> Hello, folks. Um, what is it that, you know, like, how do you, how do you try to convince yourself to be unfrozen? It's, it's difficult, but it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it, it's all just mental thought of just trying to get myself to get up and do something, but it's just, most of the time it doesn't really work. Do you call friends? Do you... Uh, try to go for a drive or a walk. With, with clinical depression, with severe depression, even calling, making that phone call is too hard. That's what I was just about to say in response is um, even feeling, you know, frozen at that time, it, it stops you from reaching out or trying to talk to anybody. Also, sometimes you the feeling of worthlessness just kind of overcomes you to the point where you feel like if you try to reach out to anybody that they're just going to get annoyed with you or that they just don't care, even if that may not be the case, that's how you feel. I can actually identify with that very much so. Um, I do not believe I suffer from clinical depression. Um, I am uh, nope, I am generally a happy person, but I do have serious anxiety, which is a whole other thing on a, on oh, a whole yeah. other episode. Oh, that yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get into that one. Yeah. There's so much to it. I've got anxiety too. Right, so. but with depression, you see, I have symptoms of it though because I have low feelings of self worth. Um, I do have borderline personality disorder, as was previously discussed, um, and it is hard for me to make a phone call because one, I feel subconscious. Every time I hear myself on the phone, I feel nervous and anxious and subconscious, but I can imagine that with depression, making a phone call is anxiety inducing, correct? It can be. Sometimes, it, like I said, it's more, it's more just, I don't know, sometimes it's anxiety inducing. Other times it's just too difficult to even make a text message for that manner, or for that, wow, I can't talk. One thing about, <laughs> you're okay, you're all good, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I was that way all day today at work too, so <laughs> today I just can't talk. The fact of the matter is that Nicole is trying here, and 
And that is amazing. I want to thank you. I want to congratulate you on that, Nicole. You, you, you were here to talk to an audience. People are going to hear you around the world. Hopefully, I hope so. <laughs> um, we're, we're pretty small right now, but we're trying. Um, but people are going to hear you. And like you, you, put yourself, you, you were putting yourself out there in the spotlight uh, about your disorder. And that takes a lot of guts. What I was going to say was that um, the smallest task can seem so daunting. Oh, yeah. Like, the smallest thing, like, like um, going to the bathroom even can seem difficult. Am I right? Oh, yeah. So There are times where I'm fucking laying there that I don't get up to go to the bathroom until I absolutely cannot hold it anymore. I mean, that, that's what gets me to get up and go use the bathrooms because it hurts I, that my body is so full. I mean, Christ, I only do that um, when I'm snuggling or something with a hubby, hubby over here and uh, I'm just so fucking comfy. And but I do it more than I'd like to admit to. When I was alone, I was single and depressed last summer for about three and a half months. Um, yes, I can remember that um, it was difficult even to get up. Um, but you know what? Sometimes it felt good when I got up because once I did get up, I felt some energy like, like maybe I can do something with my day. And then I usually failed. <laughs> um, I personally am depressed um, situationally when I'm single. If I do not have a comfort partner, specifically a romantic partner, yeah, I feel very depressed. Well, I mean, another big thing about depression that I would like to say is that a lot of us are considered lazy. Which yes. Guess, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's like, it's not that I'm, I'm not doing things because I don't want to. I'm not doing things because I feel like I can't. Describe that more. It's constantly being tired, constantly having a lack of energy. And like I said, sometimes I get into episodes where I feel like I'm stuck, like I cannot get up no matter how much I tell myself, you got shit to do, get up and do it. And I just can't. Sometimes I have similar issues with my anxiety. I call it, as Matt and Nicole both know, it's called, I call it paralyzing anxiety, um, where I'm stuck in a certain sitting position and whether I'm doing something with my phone or staring in space or listening to a podcast, I am stuck there. So we're going to go into some of the primary symptoms of major depressive disorder, also called clinical depression, also called, say Nicole? Unipolar. Unipolar depression. Thank you for that. So these are paraphrased. I did find them online, but you know what? They all make sense. I paraphrased them to match um, my ex-girlfriend Nicole's symptoms and uh, the way that I would say them. So first thing is that personally, you, you just don't give a sh you just don't give as much of a shit about things you used to love. Um, and Nicole, like, I remember when we first got together, you had passions, and those passions are now a dwindling fire that is, is, is right at the cusp of burning out. Describe. I used to love writing. I used to love drawing. I used to love reading. You drew some amazing pictures back in the day. Yeah, I don't do any of those things anymore. And honestly, the, with the depression that I've suffered through over the years, I feel has killed the creative part of my brain because even when recently when I have tried to re to write or draw, I can't. I, I sit there in front of a blank page for fucking ever until I get angry and give up. And like I try to read and I can't keep focus on it. I, I just I can't. I guess that's similar to how I am with video games. Uh, for some reason, I just I just um I try I try to play a game and I play it for like 20 30 minutes and I'm, I I lose interest in it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I, I think my problem is aging. Um, a lot of people will play video games until, until the day they die, but for me, I just grew out of it. And um, what do I do? What do I focus my time more on now? I guess I focus my time a lot on researching about psychology and mental health and um, terminology for psychology. Um, I consider it a hobby. Uh, at least I have a hobby. Um, I feel like maybe for you, it's just like uh, more interest change with age. That maybe. Could be it. I, I would have to agree with that, yes. Yeah. However, you, Nicole, do you want to draw and write stories? I would love to be able to still do that, but I just, I can't find it in me to do anymore. Which is a lack of motivation, which is a primary, the number one symptom of depression, I would say, 
is lack of motivation. Which is what gets us called lazy. It makes it hard to get out of bed. You can't, um, you know, you might, I, I have a water pitcher because the city water here, I drink it, I get sick. Yeah. Now, if I, when I was depressed, I might not even fill my pitcher. And then I had to pay for it in the long run because I had to sit there and wait while dehydrated for my pitcher to filter. Um, oh, something dropped. Oh, knocking stuff over, don't mind me. How dare you? <laughs> That's right, we're all friends here, we're all friends here. So anyway though, it's like, it's like when you're seriously depressed, the concept of putting your legs out of the bed, on feet on the floor, standing up, it seems like a perilous task. Oh, and yeah. something that Odysseus must have done in the Odyssey. Um, <coughs> it, it's not easy. That in itself is, is very difficult to do, let alone regular daily habits like showering or, or eating even. Personal hygiene and um, body, um, you know, taking care of your personal body become lessened. Um, so let's see here, uh, a tiredness and a lack of energy. I'm looking at, at mayoclinic.org. I've quoted them before. They also um, cite that tiredness and a lack of energy, so even small tasks take extra effort, also reduce appetite and weight loss, or the opposite, increase cravings for food and weight gain. So these are things like, you know, you, you don't have the energy to get up and make food. You don't have the energy to, um, to do a small task such as um, turning on your television if you, if you cannot find the remote, okay? Um, loss of interest and pleasure in most or all normal activities, including sex. Yeah. How, how, how do you feel about sex right now, Nicole? Uh, I really don't. Be honest and open <laughs> about it. You, you, you just don't think about it. Do you, do you ever watch pornography? I do all the time. Not really, no. Yeah, so you, you lose interest in things like that. So uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate your libido? 1, <laughs> maybe 2. 1, maybe 2. And depression will ruin a libido. And in a relationship, it can ruin that relationship because of that. If you're not willing to get help. Now, we're not going to that yet, though. So, number 2, I'm going to say under symptoms... In my own words, is being a negative fucking Nancy. And you know what? People don't like it. But you can't help it. I've been that way before. When I was depressed, I sit there and I bitch about everything under the sun. And I know no one likes to hear about that shit. Nicole, what's your opinion on that? What, what, what are your two cents on that? No, actually, Matt, tell me your two cents on, on um, when I mean a negative fucking Nancy and I'm just bitching about the world because I'm feeling depressed that night. That's situational, but it's still the same symptom. Please, Pretty much before. it's one where you will literally just bitch about the world and everything and, and hyper-focus on it. Mm -hmm. You think that, you know, there's nothing coming back from it and you're just to the point where it's just like, Excuse me. I have to just now, I have to fix it now. I've got to, you know, like, I, I, you panic. There's so much panic to it. This is more of an anxiety technique for me, isn't it? But, but, but I, I'm, talk, I'm, talk, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about when I sit there smoking cigarettes, chain smoking, and all I can do is listen to sad music, all your eyes and, out, and be angry at the world around me. Yep. Or, and it's just it's it's so it's so heartbreaking to see you go through this. Honestly, as it's, this is heartbreaking to see you go through this, Nicole. Um, you know we're. We do everything we can to be here for you. You know, we make sure you eat meds. Um, help you grab a shower right here. Grab a shower. Um, just, just be there for them, folks. You know, and like said, Nicole, we're here for you as well. Yeah, and I appreciate that. You know, I mean, you, you two are pretty much. If, I don't know, other, other, there's like one other person that I could talk to other than you two about things, but I'm still even more comfortable with the two of you than anybody else. Do you feel like um, if you are depressed, to have someone that is comfortable to talk to, it doesn't help? Sometimes it does. Sometimes depression is so heavy, even talking is hard. Sometimes it, it gets bad enough that, uh, honestly, it feels like nothing helps. Like, I feel like, like, literally, I feel like nothing helps sometimes. Even now, talking to somebody. Now, thinking that way and experiencing it that way can be correlated. If you believe that nothing will help, 
probably nothing will help. Now, if you believe in your heart, which is hard to do in the press to believe in any positive, but if you can't believe in your heart, this will help me. Even if it's the most mundane thing, like one, one song, one song you listen to, or one uh, lap around the block, you say, this is going to help me. I know it will. And if you try it, I guarantee you it will have some kind of impact. Because that, you know... Uh, well, you, the, you can guarantee me all you want, but it doesn't always work that way. Trust let me. Let me explain this. So, you're right. It does not always work that way. No, it does not. One, the most powerful thing in the world is the power of suggestion. I will be um, men, men, mentioning, mentioning this many times um, in this podcast, assuming that it all goes well. And it is so far. We um, <laughs> So, let's go, buddy. Podcast go, podcast go. <laughs> hey, look, my flamboyant side came out. Um, but um, so, um, so you can if you convince if you can convince yourself subconsciously of something. So this is hard to do. So if you are living in a country where the only media you have is government-run news, and they tell you the same thing repetitiously, repetitionally over and over and over again, you will eventually have that subconscious, that power of suggestion hardwired in your brain, and it will work. You will obey your government and do what they fucking say. So if you sit there and you say, if I get up and take a walk around the block, I'll feel so much better. But I can't get up now, okay? In 10 minutes, I'll get up and take a walk around the block. 10 minutes goes by, okay? And now you can't do it. Okay, in five minutes, okay, in two minutes, in one minute. If I don't put my shoes on right now, I've failed. I don't want to fail again, which is self-control and also self-esteem, which is hard to work on. But if you can say, I want to fail again because it will, it will lower my self-esteem even more, make me even more depressed. You say, going for a walk around this block is the most important thing I can do for my health right now. It will help me. By the time you get done with that walk around the blog, whether it would help you up before or not, now it'll help you. This, again, loops back around to uh, when I get, like, frozen, as I had put it, is I say I'm, all these things. I It and, and, all goes through my head, but I still cannot get up. That's why I do the countdown. Start with 20 minutes, then 10 minutes, that's then 5 minutes, then 2 minutes, then 1 minute. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying, do, I'm not saying count it all at once. But the whole 10 minutes go by, okay? Can't do it. The whole 8 minutes go by. Now you got 18 minutes. The whole 5 minutes go by. And by the way, it's been an hour. You know what? In an hour, you get up and you fucking do it. Now remember, wiggle your big toe. Please say it one more time and tell me where it's quoted from because I'm well aware. But tell the audience where it's quoted from. Pretty much Kill Bill. If you remember Uma Thurma, she's in the back of the truck, the yellow truck. She's been paralyzed for a long time. Remember now. Wiggle your big toe. <laughs> All right, now let's get those, let's get those other peas wiggling. <laughs> anyway, sorry for my stutter. So, under the next one now, avoiding people whom you consider friends. Now, you don't reach out to us as that much, but I I think you reach out to me enough that I would consider it adequate. What would you say, Nicole? Um, what what do you what do you mean? Reach out, reach out as we're going that. Pretty much, he's asking now. When you reach out to Brian or Chevy, um, I know I know volume. Um, how often, like, how often are you reaching out to Chevy or other close friends? Uh, honestly, you're really the only one I tend to reach out to. You're the only one that really responds most of the time. Um, more often recently than prior. <laughs> Well, um, I have seen a decline in my friend Nicole. Ex-girlfriend or not, you'll always be my friend. Do not ever doubt that. And I have tried to reach out more. But however, though, the past few days I've been rather... I've I, I, rather been an isolationist, um, which is almost a trigger for me. Once I start it, it's hard to get out of it. Uh, that's a whole other episode about PTSD and why I have it regarding isolation. Um, however, we're talking about this with us right now. So, so you might avoid people who, whom you consider friends. How often does, does do me or Kalua invite you to do something? Probably your friend um, Kay, um, and you end up saying no because you just can't get out of bed. 
Uh, well, more often than not, I mean, if if you invite me here or if Kahlua asks me to go out and do something, depressed or not, more than likely I'll still do it. I just won't be very good company. <laughs> the fact that you even get out of bed to do it is actually a milestone. I'm very proud of you for that. Because I've seen days when you would turn down offers by friends or myself um, just to lay in bed. And I knew that it would only exacerbate your situation. It would not help matters. But I understood the depression you were going through, so I didn't want to press too hard. And you made changes, and I'm proud of you for that. How do you, how do you feel about that? I guess I don't exactly see what you see. When we were dating, on for the record, Nicole and I broke up in early June of 2021. No, early July. Oh, July. Oh, wow. Excuse me. Yeah. I apologize. Um, I see. My my alone period felt like it lasted so long. It was so horrible for me that I honestly forgot how long I'd been alone for. Um, so either way, though, um, by that point you had been turning down most offers to hang out, but then you started up again, and it was me you turned down offers to be with, like. My, our previous comforts no longer were our comforts. And you know what? That's just simply a sign of an all-coming breakup. And it is what it is. Um, it, it's a flow of life. Shit, the chapter ended and a new one started. Well, and, it was mutual by the time we actually ended it anyway. Yep. We, uh, we, we mutually decided <coughs> that we wanted to uh, carry, on, carry on our own lives by ourselves and see where the, the wayward winds took us, man. So anyway, enough of that with that one, though. So number four here, I mean, so this is my words. Like you're going to have a change in eating habits. Okay, you might binge eat, you might get anorexic. Either way, you might not no longer enjoy comfort foods. Um, you might enjoy, enjoy comfort foods too much. Um, Nicole, how does this apply to your life? Because with me, when I'm depressed, I binge the fuck out of things. Okay? I want to eat all those things that I've been wanting for so long that never seemed appetizing that I ate as a kid. All of a sudden, I'm so sad, I'm depressed, I want to eat them more than usual. Tell me, tell you what. It differs... For me, sometimes I'll binge, sometimes I'll barely eat at all, but uh, when it comes to binge eating, it doesn't necessarily have to be comfort foods, it's pretty much whatever's around me, I guess, but yeah, it, it changes. Well, that makes sense. Um, you know, part of being depressed is that you uh, either will ignore comforts or you will soak them right in. Mm -hmm. So either you won't eat anything or you go to those things. Whatever's around you, it brings you comfort to eat. Everybody feels happy after eating something good. If you don't, you're probably anorexic because you have anxiety by eating. And I know one anorexic person and he's very unhealthy. Anyway, so next one here. So I this is, this, this is my biggest qualm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm about to touch on a sensitive subject here. So while we were dating Nicole, you had happened to be unusually angry, irritable, and or bitchy. And I'm not putting the finger towards you or blaming you. So here's your chance to, to say it out loud. We've been a whole, almost a whole year broken up. What's up with that? All I can tell you is that I never had anger issues before we dated. And I haven't had anger issues since we've been apart. The curse of being an empath. Before you even know you're an empath, you display you, you you display the abilities, and it pisses some people off that you know so much about them. I think. Okay, I, I know you didn't want hey, to point hey, fingers. Hey, 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 if you want to blame, I feel go right ahead. No arguing, but you know what? You say whatever you want. This, this is a no holds barred podcast. Um, you can say whatever the fuck you want on here, right? Yeah. Biggest problem is that you enjoyed pushing my buttons until the point that I couldn't take it anymore. And I would lash out because of it. Can you describe one situation? Not without you, just, just for the audience's sake. Uh, I can't really remember anything specifically, but like, uh, it just something would come up or whatever, and then you would get, honestly, you would get irrationally angry about something, and then you'd start pushing my buttons and you'd continue and continue, even when I try to walk away, you'd follow me and you continue. I'm gonna bring this up right here and say, this is me getting upset about one thing said to me 
that I feel I need to address as part of BPD and obsessing. I would obsess over the issue yes. until I felt, felt it, was, it was resolved. Now, Nicole is depressed over here, and she don't want to talk at all. She just wants to do her thing and be sitting in loneliness. Now, I, however, I want to engage and um, get more energetic. I want to um, learn what the situation is about and how to deal with it. I want to um, know everything there is to know about Nicole's feelings. And now, I obsess with this because, you know, a lot of people do not want them to know these things about themselves. And I understand that. Um, now, <laughs> but at the time, yeah, I would, and uh, I guarantee you, I do not. I no longer pull those bullshit tactics, and I, there were bullshit tactics. And I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But also, at the time, you would tend to get angry at me when I was depressed, because I might not have been showing as much emotion as you would want me to, because I couldn't. Yes. And at the time, you didn't really get that. One thing that depression tends to fuck with is relationships, whether it's friendships or oh, yeah. romantic relationships. Um, yes, I wanted you to dis display emotion as you felt it, and I wanted you to, um, I wanted you to, to basically rejoice in the emotions with me, the positive ones. And I guess when you're depressed, you can't display positive emotions. It's very hard. It, it can be very hard. There, there are times when I'm having a depressive episode that I feel completely numb. I do not feel positive anything at all. I become so numb. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Can't feel you there. It's so, truth. Right. So, I guess when you're feeling that way, how do you deal with it? So, how do you cope with something like that, okay? So, I am trying to find ways on how to overcome that. Okay, I'm looking this up. I'm looking this up as we speak. So, so one thing is to find meaning in your life. Find small ways to be of service to others. If you can help somebody else out, maybe you can feel that slight tinge of joy, that that spark of happiness that you so desperately hope ignites. You know, find. I'm, I'm quoting this from in, intermountainhealthcare.org. Intermountainhealthcare.org. They're saying, I quote. Find personal meaning by serving something larger than yourself. Remember, service doesn't have to, be, have, to be, have to be big to count. Consider this, and this is a quote with a quote. Success, like happiness, cannot be, cannot be pursued. It must ensue as the unintended side effort of one's personal dedication to a course greater than oneself. Quoted by Victor E. Frankel. What do you mean? Frankel. Frankel. Hmm? Off of his book. Frankel. Frankel. Man's search, for, man's search for meaning. This is quoted off of intermountainhealthcare.org. So, so all the times, you know, um, last, last summer I was very depressed. Um, I would often get free food from my work, a uh, shift meal per shift for free, and I would get a pizza. Now, I've had crucial pizza so many times, it'd probably get thrown out. Now, if I see the homeless people around town, and I live in a small city in Maine, uh, where they're larger than... Um, Washington than it should be, a homeless population, um, I would give them the entire thing, if not five slices at least, um, because, I, you know what, I walk home, I feel better about myself, I feel good. And you know, Nicole, I invited you over here today, I did, I invited you over, and I, I know you were depressed, and that wasn't necessarily the reason why, it was for me too, but also for you, because I know that if you were around me and Matthew, who are generally positive people, is it correct, Matthew? That is very correct. I hope they heard, they heard you. So yeah, we are positive people. We try to, we try to be. Not always. We we fuck up like everybody else. But I figured we'd all have a good time. How's it going so far, Nicole? It's going fine. I mean, as you can tell, folks, she's very ducky. <laughs> ducky. Just say it's going I good. Know, it's going I, good. Say it's bad. It's going bad. It's it's not going bad. I mean, you know, I I don't feel incredibly positive but I mean I don't feel that bad either but I think that your brain is blocking out the ability to feel that now what I wonder is so here's what I wonder when you take an, when you take an antidepressant it's called an SSRI that stands for selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor so what it does is it makes you happier by using your serotonin, much in the way that MDMA aka ecstasy does. Um, now what if your serotonin is being blocked? 
Well, one correction there is, is it uh, produces synthetic serotonin right. in your brain, um, which is uh, one reason why they tend not to work for a very long period of time, um, because your brain gets used to that synthetic serotonin. On the average, how often does this uh, fake serotonin actually work? Well, um, it, uh, an antidepressant will probably usually work for even up to six months or so before you before you notice that it's not really working anymore. Like and I eat tolerance. Right, and that's when the you know your physician or whoever uh, is prescribing it will increase your dose. And you'll notice you'll have to keep doing that over and over again, and then you'll reach the max dose, but then you'll still find a period where you feel like it's not working anymore. And, you know, that's that's why SSRIs really aren't, they're not the best way to go, in my personal opinion, for that recommend? reason. All right, I'll be totally honest here. I cannot take any SSRI, because every single one, me erectile dysfunction. It's very common there you go. with yeah, men. Very common. I, I've tried five of them. Um, I, I, I don't need them apparently to begin with, so cool. But yeah, I gave up. Um, <laughs> Wellbutrin, uh, Zoloft, Prozac, um, uh, Zyprexa, um, Lexapro, <laughs> every single one, I cannot get hard. Fuck. I, I've taken my share of SSRIs, but they, they, don't, they don't work for me, like, at all. I know that, um, huh? Okay, I was say I know that, uh, for a little while, from when I was like 16, uh, Zoloft worked for me for a little bit, but I tried it again, um, uh, when I got older, actually not that long ago, I think it was only like two or three years ago, um, but it, it didn't work for me the second time around, and neither has any other SSRI, so... So what are you on now? I'm uh, I'm if on you feel a comfortable to uh, Is it is it is it S, S trial program? No. Okay. <laughs> My bad. I I I am on um what's called Buspirone, which is Wellbutrin. No. Yes, Buspirone is Wellbutrin. No. Buspirone is the generic name for Wellbutrin. Well, Wellbutrin is an SSRI. What I am on is not. It's a mood stabilizer. Wellbutrin, no, no, Wellbutrin is not an SSRI. It's the only one that is not. It's a mood stabilizer, not an antidepressant. Well, either fucking way. It worked for a little while, but it's not really affecting me now. I was on that for many years. I felt it, was, I felt it had a placebo effect on me. I felt that it... I wanted to feel like I was doing better, but in reality, I was not doing better at all for a long time. I was on it for like many years because of my life. I don't believe you. So, Matt, you're on the floor. Oh, lucky me. Um, you're up, buddy boy. Mm. Love you. Well, Matt, tell me about times when you felt depression. Why me? Well, I gotta talk about this. <laughs> all right, since we're all doing show and tell, fine. You're wrong. I told you. Oh, she's been. Oh. No. Fuck you. Told Bu you. Buspirone. My bad. Buspirone, also known as Buspar, is an used for anxiety. It is a um, mood stabilizer, and also gave me the placebo effect. Buspirone, aka Buspar. My bad. Wellbutrin is. What the fuck is it? Well, it's generic. Bupropion. Yeah. Gotcha. Yo. Touche. you. <laughs> Shade from the judges. Hey, you tried. I tried. I tried. You know what? I'm the best ever that. Do what I can do. Right where I am. Take my eyes. Here I is. Told you I'm doing things sober. Says right there in the description. I do not do things sober. So, Matt, Matt, what? How do you feel when you feel depressed? It's situational for you, not not clinical. When you feel depressed, speak up for, for the mic, by the way. How do you feel, and what do you do to handle it? What, what what causes depression for you? Sometimes I don't even know I'm depressed. So to kind of bring myself out of depression, I won't even, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, it's something I've really thought of. So I can't really give that, you know, correct of an answer. Matthew grew up in a family, and I hope if anybody listening here is, is similar, 
we're talking about things like feelings and mental disorders, mental illnesses, was so taboo, it was not brought up. If you did, you'd be scolded for it. So if anybody here listening to this is in the kind of family situation, please know that these are real things that need to be addressed. And if you feel sad, if you feel depressed, please, by all means, I want you to reach out to someone, okay? Because these are real signs. Um, and if, if, if you feel this way, um, you... I'm probably not for the, for the hotline, okay? Just in case, because, you know, I have had to call the hotline myself. I seem so with it, right? I seem so fucking with it. I am not, guy. Like, I've had to call the suicide prevention hotline myself not even two years ago. Last, last spring. Spring of 2021, I had to call it myself. Um, I, I didn't need it. I, I, I was, I was going to call myself, but I, I felt like it was possible, okay? I felt like, I felt like I needed somebody to talk to, I guess. So the number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. That is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. For the now, United States. The U.S., yeah. If you're in the U.S., I'm sorry you're going to have to find one on your own because I'm not here to research every country in the U.K. Yeah. Um, or Europe, I should say. Now, let me say one thing. Depression should not be confused with emotional impulsivity. Emotional impulsivity is when the, an event happens and your reaction, you are triggered. <coughs> you are triggered by an event and your reaction is impulsive and maybe very bad. I'm going to tell you a very personal thing, for example. It's very personal for me, but I, I told everybody I, I, I have no shame, okay? So, in year 2010, I was 20 years old. I was 21 years old. And, um, I was 20, actually. And my girlfriend, only four months, five months at most, she broke up with me for a guy that was staying in my apartment, my duplex. And, um, I reacted so impulsively. I was so heartbroken, so hurt by the... Failure, failure I felt and the, the the rejection the rejection was so extreme there's an extreme sense of rejection which I, I have a fear of rejection after, for that, that so that with that fear of rejection faced with the ultimate rejection and all she did was stare, in the eye, stare me in the eyes and just shake her head I tried to kill myself I took overdose on three different psych meds at a time I took overdose of um, oh, tramadol, no, sorry, um, trazodone. I, I do an overdose of trazodone, risperidone, and um, not Zyprexa, but um, Lexapro. Lexapro is an antidepressant, is an SSRI. Trazodone is a sleeping pill. I don't know the classification. Uh, tran tranquilizers. And risperidone is an antipsychotic. Um, I took about 60 pills altogether, and I almost died. Uh, if I wasn't hospitalized, I would not be here making this podcast today. Uh, so, if you ever feel that way, please call that number I mentioned before. It is 1-800-273-8255. But the point is that depression should not be mistaken by this, uh, emotional impulsivity. I was not depressed at the time. Actually, I was quite happy um, in general. And one thing happened to intervene in my life and run it off track. And I reacted impulsively and irrationally. That is the difference. Um, depression lasts, lingers, is in you, is, is, is embedded in you. Emotional impulsivity happens spur of the moment and it is often um, reacted with rage or um, anxiety or confusion um, or either way, you, you lash out one way or another. Uh, you do something to hurt somebody else even if it means hurting yourself. Anyway, mic drop. Boom. Done. <laughs> so, we're going to go on to here. Number six, body aches and pains and being fucking bitchy about it. Now, we all have body aches and pains. I have myself, I wake up in the morning, I say, oh my God, Maggie, you please rub my back. And lo and behold, to my dear surprise, my fucking man will rub my back. <laughs> uh, it's amazing, really. Um, but um, So we all have body aches and pains, but part of depression is that you're immobile a lot of the time. The more immobile you are, that means you're sitting still, not moving, the more likely you are to ache in your bones and, and your joints and, and, and your muscles. So body aches and pains. Number seven, Nicole, why don't you read this one out loud here and say it with some, some fucking enthusiasm. Why the hell am I always so fucking tired? You said it like a true tired person. Well, it's because I am a true tired person. 
true to the name, <laughs> and not to brag about it, but it's kind of ironic. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah. So part part of depression, you feel when you feel sad. Are you about to go on a jog? Some people are, but not most of us. Those people can just fuck off right now for all I care. I don't know what the fuck's going on in their brains, but they ain't, they there's something wrong with them, in my opinion. <laughs> but, um, that means um, they're healthy, more than likely. Weird. I know. How weird? I, I, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know what it means, but like, what, that's so, so unusual. Uh, no. Um, you get my point. Yes, I do. I, we, we, we are arguing the same as that point. So, part of being depressed, honestly, is lethargy. Lethargy is just the, um, the feeling of being immobile, um, you don't want to move. You feel like your limbs uh, have uh, ankle weights on them. Um, yeah, yeah, it sucks. I've been there myself. So um, that pretty much says it all in itself. Like, I mean, I don't, know else, I don't know what else to say about that exactly. There is really it, isn't much else to say about yeah, that. You, you're, you're lethargic, man. Like, oh, yeah. Le- lethargy sucks, right? It sucks horribly. Okay, so we're going to continue on here. Because I, have a lot, I have a few more things to say, but I want to end this soon. So one thing is about sex drive. When I was depressed, I remember having a sex drive. What was that like again? Because uh, I had it once and uh, I think I had sex and I felt good. Um, or you had a boner. Um, what, the fuck, what the fuck happened to that? Um, <laughs> and, um, Nicole, honestly, after you got with me, once the honeymoon phase ended, okay, I was so excited to be with a new girl. I loved you. I was excited by you. And then it became normal. And then the depression of the isolation I was in, and if you listen to my previous episode, social isolation causes symptoms and causes. Um, yes, um, once I got back to reality, because of my situation, it was not due to you, Nicole. Well, you also had a tea drop again, you said. I had a little, a little testosterone because I was, on, I was a methadone patient. Yep. That will come up in my episode about, about addiction. I'm sure it will come up eventually. I'm no longer a methadone patient. <laughs> methadone is a synthetic opiate. Synthetic opiate used to treat those in recovery for opiate addiction, such as heroin and fentanyl. So, yes, um, my testosterone was lowered because in a, in a certain percentage of methadone patients, it lowers your testosterone. And so, anyway, I pretty much had no sex drive anymore. And that hurt you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. I get it. Um, sometimes Matt has no sex drive. Sometimes I have no sex drive. It doesn't last long, but it happens. And it hurts when you're with. That's why it affects relationships. So here's the... Honestly, number nine is the worst one. Inc- um, it, it in itself or increasing substance abuse. So I can tell you right now. My father died December 2013. Before that, I drank about a pint a week. I made it last me. I didn't need to drink. I was generally happy. Working over it sucked, but life was okay. After my father passed, it increased to a fifth every two days. To a fifth a day. To a half gallon every three days. My drinking increased. And uh, the more sub- more depressed I am, the more I want to use substances. Even if the ones that I know will make it worse, I still crave it because I satisfy a craving. When you satisfy a craving, it releases dopamine in your brain. That dopamine is incorporated into happiness. So every time you satisfy a craving, you feel happier. And so, therefore... When you do that more than you more than you should, you will develop an addiction to feeling that happy sensation because otherwise you feel numb or depressed. Boom. Which honestly, that is like the one symptom that doesn't really apply to me. That's true, um, Nicole. You have a very low level of of, of addictive personality. I'm actually quite impressed. Mm-hmm. Well, I myself have a high level of it. Um, and, uh, right now I've drank enough alcohol, I'll tell you what, <laughs> but I seem to be doing okay. So, number 10 is minor. Number 10, symptom number 10, minor zoning, minor or more hardcore zoning out either way. Zoning out to certain levels, which means you're just kind of sitting there, zoning out. That one I have not noticed much of you, Nicole. Uh, you seem to be pretty aware of your surroundings. You seem to be aware of what I'm saying, what's going on around you. What do you have to say about that? For the most part, yeah, I mean, I, I have my moments, but it's not often. So, number 11, I said number 9 was the worst one, but this one is the scariest of all. Uh, well, I already mentioned it once. Once again, I'm, I will not start, start repeating this. The scariest of all, reoccurring thoughts of suicide or self-harm. Now, when my ex broke up with me, and Ashley broke up with me, we still lived together. And uh, I did self-harm. I 
to an accident, I cut my arm up. I was 27 years old, for Christ's sakes. I was like a 17-year-old, you know, and uh, I was sent to the hospital because my ex uh, decided to call them that morning me. I was driving her so crazy, she wanted to night alone, I guess. <laughs> Christ, I hardly even blame her. Um, That's one way of getting it. Nicole, have you ever done any self-harm before? Yes. You don't have to wait until you want to. Well, the majority of my self-harm was more between the ages of, like, 15 and 17. Like I said, I was acting like a goddamn teenager. But, I mean, I, I've had depression since I was at least 12. But back then, when I had first brought it up to my parents, my father said nothing. And my mother yelled at me, telling me that I was being an attention whore. And that it was probably just my diabetes. And that cause was called trauma. And that is a serious issue not to be laughed at. That we will discuss later on. I'll at least be by myself. I have enough of it myself. I know a lot about it. So, we're running out of time here. I'm going to talk about um, how depression can affect your life. Okay, there are a few things here. There are 10 things here. And I'm gonna hit, I'm gonna nail them right on the shell. I'm gonna nail them right on the nail. Hit. Oh my god, you're gonna speak. Hit the nail on the head? I'm gonna hit the fucking nail on the head, thank you very much. There are no rabbit holes here, my good friend. We're all going down molehill, moleholes. So, one thing, you lose friends, okay? When you are depressed, you may lose your relationship, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, you may lose your friends because you're no longer fun to hang out with. You're not fun to hang out with. I don't know how else better to say that, but when you are depressed and you are numb, you are not the best friend in the world. Of course not. Okay? You feel you were never good enough. Now, I feel this way often, but I'm overcoming it. I overcome it a lot. Now, when you're depressed, you think everything you do is not good enough because you just hate yourself. Am I correct? Well, yeah. That's how I felt my entire life. And still do. This is where therapy comes in handy. I'm not kidding. Therapy has done nothing for me thus far in my life. You need to find the right one. So number three, okay, so you're gonna become like you are now a conch shell. You have an interior, but it, it is so well guarded, it is not there anymore. You are now a shell of the person that you used to be. Okay? Number four, suicide, you want to end your life. Whether you act upon it or not, those thoughts will probably be there. And it's worried. Okay, number five, you is numb. When you're numb, you feel not positive, not negative. You just are. I feel nothing. Yep, and I know what that feels like because um, when I have serious death occur in my friends and family, and I've had a lot of it, I've had a lot of that. Um, I tend to numb myself, and I just kind of become a shell, like the previous statement. Um, I'm just there, and uh, I'm along for the ride, guys. The six is the feeling of being ashamed. So I feel shame almost every day. And I believe that's because of my my childhood. Um, Nicole, do you feel shame on a regular basis? Yeah, I do. Hey, we're going to leave that. We are we going to leave it at that. Number seven is hitting rock bottom. I'm going to tell you right now, rock bottom for me. My rock bottom was alcoholism. Um, I was with Nicole. And I was drinking so much that I could not even watch my own children. I was pathetic. And... Uh, on rehab, that's for a whole other topic. Okay, next thing is exploring activity that's getting better now and learning about mental illness, which is what I have been doing for a long time now. I have been doing what I call research or homework, I guess, on mental illnesses and the way the human brain works. Therefore, I can understand myself better. And now if depression gets you to eventually try to overcome it, and you learn about it, you start writing about it, so doing something with it, like in my case, making a recording, a podcast, you can show yourself that life is worth fighting for. Don't show anybody else. Nobody else needs to give a fuck about this but you. You need to do what is right for you to show yourself that life can be good again. So you and you alone. That's how I have tried to overcome my mental illnesses, okay? So, now that you know the symptoms of depression, what can you do to cope with it? Uh, there are certain techniques and there are certain skills you can do to try to cope with being depressed and do not get off your medication. Medication can be very important, okay? So, one thing I do is that, this is my personal thing, I find meaning in everything. 
every little thing that seems important to me, off the cuff, like like some small favor, some small, somebody holds the door open for you when you were walking to that door with your arms full and thinking, how the fuck am I going to open this door? Well, all of a sudden, an angel shows up and opens the door for you. It's uh, Rob from uh, from uh, the dining staff, you know? Uh, either way, um, that door was all over for you, and you were fretting about that. Those little mean, those little things that, that happen to you, don't take those for granted, okay? Also, like Rob from dining staff did, just find small ways to be in service to others. When I'm in the back room, and I hate to say it at work, I am too, too often in the back room, I'm changing my shoes, or getting my tea ready, or uh, whatever I'm doing, changing my headphones out. Uh, I'm always the first and only person to always hold that door open for everybody else. I get thanked for it, and I hope that that holding the door open made a difference in their night. And they think, wow, somebody actually cares, you know? So like, another thing is to plan uh, pleasant events, schedule them. Like, do something fun, schedule an event, a time, a date, and I'm not going to lie, I just went to a concert last night. I won't get into the details. I saw, fine, I saw Ringo starting in his all-star band. It was awesome. Okay, stay in the present. We all know about that one. The, the past gives anxiety. The past is depression. The future is anxiety. So you stay in the present. You're focusing on what you're doing right now. Right now, I have a bottle of water. I really want a cigarette. I'm very hungry. And I'm doing a podcast. I'm thinking about the future of those things. I'm doing a podcast. I have a bottle of water. That's all there is. Will, your take on that? I, I, where, are you, where are you right now in your mind? Here, doing this. Are you thinking of anything else? Not currently. Then you are staying in the present. Good job. Okay. One thing that's, one thing, one thing that's very hard is to exercise and eat right. I, I, exercise, I exercise at work. At home, I eat whatever the fuck I want to eat. I don't care. Okay? I can't help it. I cook too good for him. <laughs> Actually, both of these people are amazing cooks. Um, uh, I can cook basic meals, but um, these two motherfuckers, uh, I got Nicole, who is a um, gender fluid woman to my right, and I have um, Matt, who is a somewhat gender fluid male um, to my left, and they are both amazing cooks, and I honestly consider myself one of the luckiest people in the world. Uh, Matt is my boyfriend, Nicole is my ex, and we all get along. Right? Yeah. We're happy friends. Absolutely. Fuck, fuck yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> number six is what we're doing right now. I was leading up to this. Relationships. Focus on people who lift you up. So, be spend time frequently with people that make you feel better. Nicole, your two cents on this? Well, I mean, it's kind of important, you know, to know that you've got people there that care about you and, you know. Enough said. Last thing. Sleep schedule. That's something that I can learn, I can learn myself. Have a good sleep <laughs> schedule. <laughs> Chevy, Brian, Chevy, Chevy, work on that. Sleep schedule, man. I know, right? So, there we go. Okay, so, we have identified the symptoms of depression. We have identified not only the causes of it, okay, but I think you can figure out everybody's cause of depression is unique. A lot of it is, is genetic. We, we, identify, we identify the difference between situational and clinical depression, also known as major depressive disorder. And we, are, we have gone over how to cope with it and what to do to help it. And do not turn down medications if you feel they're right for you. So, that is depression. Major depressive disorder, also known as clinical depression, also known as uni, unipolar depression. Thank you, Nicole. For some reason I can just I don't remember that. So unicorn depression. Oh, it's poor unicorns. So it almost sounds like an Oh, I'm unicorn. All right. I think we're all. I think you and I are both unicorns in a sense, Nicole. We were. Yeah, Matt, you're just a fucking fairy. You know what? You're my fucking fairy. Send him a horn and write it. Oh, I can't let it say that. Hey, it's being posted. Anyway, this is Chevy. It's over now. Everybody, please um, introduce yourselves and and uh, and uh, just you know do anything. Sign off. Sign off. This is Matt signing off here, folks. Have a great night and actually just be there for people. Honestly, do good. Get some sleep and eat, eat your fucking broccoli. Yeah. Go to call. I just. She's Nicole, and I really don't know what to say. So bye. <laughs> Did we not just remember, re restore your Tupperware here with a plastic lid and everything. Give it to your neighbor, and then <laughs> give it to your best friend. <laughs>
Okay, Mr. Bowen. Plug, 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 Mr. Bowen, plug, plug, plug. It's awesome. Good night. Plug you. Plug. Depression is real. So is any other mental health diagnosis or disorder, as long as it is properly diagnosed. If you feel depression, I hope you have a better understanding of it now. I'm not a doctor. We're not psychiatrists. We're just average lay people that know what we've dealt with ourselves. So the more you know about what you go through yourself on a daily basis, the better you can handle it, the better you can cope with yourself and maybe manage it. I'm not here to exactly to diagnose anything or to help anybody. I'm just here to express our own emotions and express what we've been through. Um, I do the best I can. Uh, you've been listening to Three AM Thoughts with Chevy, Matthew, and in this case, Max Nicole. Uh, all good people, all good people. Um, we're here to speak our minds, and that's really all there is to it. So take it or leave it, man. Three AM Thoughts, mic drop over now.